Welcome to the Imago Day Community Podcast. Good morning, Imago. Hey, it's Pastor Mike. I'm excited to be with you this morning. Listen, if you didn't catch the first installment of this series, Jars of Clay, I want you to go and check that out. Pastor Rick opened it up last week, and y'all listen, he tore it up, okay? So I would admonish you to go listen to the first uh, message in this series. I'm excited to bring you today. We're going to open up the scriptures and come from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll be in verses 1 through verse 6. Let's pray together and go ahead and dig in. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you so much for the Imago Dei family and even though we can't be physically together, I thank you for this opportunity to come together to learn from you, to experience you, to open up your word. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit um, would illuminate and that Holy Spirit, you would uh, mediate and translate and do all the work necessary for us to be able to digest and take in what you have for us this morning. You know each individual listening and watching. You know where they are. You know their hearts. You know their needs. You know their questions. So Spirit, I just pray that you would be near us, be close to us. Thank you for the opportunity to open up your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're in first, sorry, we're in second Corinthians chapter four. And we're talking about the work of the spirit. We're talking about this spiritual formation. Now, I grew up in a church culture where your faith and your salvation and your sanctification and your deliverance, et cetera, et cetera, was all ultimately up to you. It was all ultimately up to me. Now, in some of these things, they would say that the spirit is there to help you. Uh, to accomplish or be successful in, in accomplishing some of these things. But ultimately, Jesus had done the work and the rest is up to me or you to take it from there. You have to maintain the perfection, the status, the position that Jesus has put you in. It was kind of felt like in, in school when the teacher on the first day of school would say, hey, everyone is the first day of school. Everyone has an A. And it's up to you to do all the work and do the homework and come to class every day and behave, et cetera, et cetera, to maintain your A. And it felt not much different in church. Jesus had accomplished what he had accomplished for you on the cross. And so you're, you're in right standing, you're good. And now it's up to you to read your Bible enough and pray enough and fast enough and do enough good works and don't look at that and don't watch that and don't go there. And you have to do these things and not do these things to maintain your A, because even in the spiritual realm, your, your grade, you know, will, will fail or fall. But even as a teenager, something about that didn't seem to make sense to me. And it wasn't that it was just logically it didn't make sense because something spiritual won't necessarily make sense logically. But as I was beginning to read the Bible for myself, there was just too many things that I couldn't reconcile in the scriptures and what I was being taught. And so that's why we wanted to, 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 to present a, a biblical theology, a biblical view of spiritual formation, 
recognizing that many of us come from these type of backgrounds or some of us are brand new to the faith. And if all you know is the carnal world or the non uh, life outside of Jesus, then you would be work uh, used to a works based, um, an accomplishment based theology as well. And so this is the working definition that we're using for this series. We are formed by the spirit into the image of Christ. And so we give ourselves to him for the sake of others. We are formed by the spirit into the image of Jesus Christ. And so we give ourselves to Jesus Christ for the sake of others. And this is what Paul wants us to see here in 2 Corinthians 4. Let's read together um, and then we'll see what journey he takes us on to get to this conclusion. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1 and 2 says this, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. Paul is saying that since we have this great trust and hope in the truth that the Lord has given us greater glory that will never fade, but will be ever increasing and will last forever, we are very bold. We live differently than y'all are used to people of Jesus living. We do things a little bit different because just like he said in chapter three last week, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so they saw Paul and Silas and Timothy and these guys living in this freedom, but it caused them to question their authenticity. It started to, they started to question whether Paul was truly a disciple, whether he truly had authority from the spirit of God, whether he was uh, doing deceitful things or whether he was twisting the scriptures to fit whatever theology he wanted to put out there and to teach. And so Paul in this book is addressing these things. But he's saying, since we know that it's all through the grace and the mercy of God, and since we know that God has not hidden any part of himself from us, right? They are now experiencing the glory with unveiled faces and being transformed day by day by the spirit. Then we can live authentically and boldly. We don't have to live lies of deceit or performance or masquerading. We no longer have to make ourselves seem more righteous or more holy or more deserving because it's all being done in the spirit. Now, outside of Christ and in a works-based system, that's what you have to do. That's what I became a professional at. Play the part, look the role, talk the talk, use the church lingo, right? No matter what I was doing outside of my personal life, when you come to church, when you get around these church people, do you know how to put it on? Do you know how to? And this is what they were accusing Paul of. And he says, Paul says this. Because I understand that I've been given the ministry of the Holy Spirit by the mercy of God, I'll go to every length to move every barrier out of your way. He says, listen, because you have these thoughts about me, 
I will publicly renounce secret and shameful ways. I'm not tampering with the scriptures. In fact, I'm not even going to give you my opinion or try to construct an argument to try to get you to believe. This is what he says in verse uh, two, uh, part B. He says, on the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Paul is saying, I am simply presenting the truth and my life before you on full display, but not just before you, but before God himself. I have nothing to hide. And I have nothing to offer you except Jesus Christ. I'm not here to preach myself, only Jesus Christ. Paul in this is trying to just show that there is nothing good in me that I'm trying to attract you to. So I'm living my life out in the open. I'm, I'm just giving you the plain truth and I'm letting my, you judge my life by your own conscience because all I'm trying to show you is the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ. It's not about me. I suck. God is amazing. So, so don't look at me. I'm not preaching myself. I'm not preaching my works. I'm not preaching my accomplishments. Yeah, I done traveled here. I done preached here. We done seen salvation here. Churches and sprouted up here and there. I'm not asking you to look at that as proof to why you should believe a thing. I'm trying to point you to Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to convince you of my righteousness because outside of Christ, I have none. All I have is Jesus Christ. Verses three and four say this, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. One of the accusations against Paul was that he was preaching this gospel that the common man couldn't quite get or understand. It was kind of for the spiritually elite. And he's addressing it here um, head on in a way that they, I'm sure, struggled with and some of us might struggle with today. Look, there are people who are perishing. And I think if we as Christians, we can't sidestep that. Like as much as we are about love and, 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 you know, all of this stuff, like that's not outside of or without preaching the truth about uh, the predicament of man and women outside of Christ. Outside of Christ, you will perish. And I think one of the most loving things we can do as believers is to lovingly, gently, by the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit, communicate that truth to those we call friends and family and strangers. Because if you love me and I'm not in Christ, like I appreciate all the work you're doing to make life comfortable for me here on earth and Black Lives Matter and all that, and we should do all of that work, but don't let me live here comfortable and good for 70 years and then die in eternity and perish. You know what I'm saying? Like both need to exist. And so the, the reality is that there is a very real adversary who desires to keep you and I and others from seeing the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ. And Paul here calls him the God of this age. Jesus called him the prince and the ruler of the air. And you might say, wait, I thought the prince and the ruler of the air was God. No, no, no. 
the, the king is God. The king is Jesus. But he calls him the prince and the ruler of the air because Satan is the one that this world has chosen to follow. And he is the one who is ruling those who are outside of Christ. The reality is that those who cannot see the light have been blinded. And there are very real spiritual forces at work against the plan of God. So whether referred to as the God of this age or the Prince of the air, both of those titles given by Paul and by Jesus have a pretty significant weight to their reality. These evil beings who are working to keep people from seeing the beauty and the light of Jesus Christ. Now, this is a reality that hopefully we don't look at and, and go into despair, but we should actually rejoice because Jesus has sent an answer us into the world. Now, of course, we are not the answer in and of ourselves, but we are an extension of Jesus Christ through the spirit. He did not leave those who have been blinded without an opportunity to hear the gospel and have their eyes open. Jesus is on a rescue mission and he has deputized you and I as soldiers in his army. And, and so we, we got to get away from this individual uh, uh, salvation where it's just about me. I'm good. I'm right with God. Uh, uh, I'm going to heaven or, I, you know, I'm, I'm experiencing abundant life. So, OK, we, we straight. No, 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 no. Again, that, 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 that definition of spiritual formation, right, formed by the spirit into the image of Christ. And we give ourselves to him for the sake of others. It's, it's, it's each one reach one. Once you get in the family, you go in to find some others who are lost and need to be found, need to be brought into the family. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And we are the ones sent to proclaim this message. So then we look at verses five and six. And this is where Paul is, is really going. And this is the point of all of this. Verse five says, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus's sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Whew. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts. Y'all, we got to catch this. I don't want to read it too fast. Who? Okay, who, who, who did the thing? God. What did he do? He made his light shine in our hearts. Hmm. Why? To give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory. And where is that found? It's displayed in the face of Christ. It's so amazing to me that God is the God of the macro and the micro. In the same way that this earth, go back to Genesis 1, was formless and void and dark, 
right? It's not that it didn't exist. It was here. It was formless and void and dark. And then God says, let there be light and there is light, right? So it's not that there that thing didn't exist before, but life actually started when Jesus, when God said, the Godhead said, let there be light. And that's the, on a universe level. And then all the way down to, to me and to you, we're, we're living, right? Like we exist, but there's a darkness there and it's formless and it's void. But God, who said, let the light shine out of darkness, he makes his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. All of a sudden, let there be light in Mike, let there be light in you. And now this life that did exist before, now living happens. Now there's new life, now there's new birth. And this is what we preach. Do we recognize who's at work here? Now, of course, the, the goal is that we be made more and more into the image of Christ and we give ourselves to him for the sake of others. So no doubt we're gonna, we're gonna do good works and all of that. But according to this, like who's truly doing the work here? Who's actually even responsible for our sanctification? It's God. Do we remember what, what he said in chapter three? Where was that? Chapter three, verse 18. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate, behold the Lord's glory and are being transformed. We are being transformed. We're not transforming ourselves. We are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is spirit. Some of us come from a place where we are taught to preach ourselves. We are taught we have to prove ourselves. We are taught that whatever is going wrong, we need to focus on that thing and get it right because then God will be pleased with us how good we've been, how much we've done to deserve this blessing from God. We've been taught that we have to preach our own faithfulness. And then that faithfulness is builds up in some account. And then God decides to be faithful to us because we've been faithful to him. I don't think any of our lives actually bear that out, but that's sometimes what we're taught. Preach ourselves and how righteous we've been to earn the favor of God. But we do not preach ourselves, y'all. It's not about our good works. It's not about our worthiness. We have nothing to boast in. Only Christ has accomplished anything worth boasting about in relationship to our salvation, our redemption, and our sanctification. They were wondering why Paul and Silas and Timothy weren't losing heart. He says, man, because because I know. I believe in what this new covenant means. I believe that I've been given this ministry of the Holy Spirit by the mercy of God. 
So why should I be in despair? I love down in verse 16 of chapter four, he, he echoes it again. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and monetary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Day by day, as our unveiled faces are beholding and contemplating the glory of Jesus Christ, the Spirit is making us forming us, conforming us, transforming us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. So we just need to keep our attention there. Not on the sin issue, not on the habit, not on the problem. Sometimes we get so engulfed in, in our sins even that we, we focus so much on it, we magnify it. The goal to defeating whatever that thing is in your life is not to give it more attention. It's to turn our attention to Jesus Christ. And as our unveiled faces are beholding and contemplating the glory of Jesus Christ, and we are being made more and more to the image of God, our desires will continue to change. And we will continue to desire more and more what Jesus Christ desires, ultimately to be perfectly submitted to and obedient to the Father. And, and, and our desire for these other things will just lessen, they'll just weaken, not because our attention's there, then they might grow, but because our attention is on Jesus Christ. Mago, keep your face toward Jesus. Trust that day by day by the Spirit, as you behold and contemplate his glory, he is making you. He is making you more and more into who he has already designed for you to be, destined for you to be. But the temptation every day, every week, every month is going to be for you to try to prove yourself, to try to preach yourself, your own righteousness, your own worthiness. And that's a burden that Jesus does not want on you. And what we desire is for the Imago Day community to be a people where we don't have to come to church and fake it till we make it. But because we know of the ministry of the Holy Spirit that has been given to us by the mercy of God, we can be honest. Can I tell you about when I was in the church culture I grew up in, as I struggled with my own sins, I felt so alone because no one else was struggling, right? From the top to the bottom, everyone came in, later I learned, um, with these masks on, 
with the right clothes on, with the smiles on. How you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. Like literally may have gotten like abused the night before or may, may have been struggling with suicide, may have been struggling with any manner of thing, but we just felt that we had to come and pretend that all was together and all was right. And I'm here to let you know that like that is not a Christ-centered community. That's not what it looks like. We come boldly, we come honestly, we come transparently, and we confess our sins one to another, knowing that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And we lean on our brothers and our sisters as people we can trust and confess in, knowing that they will give us the gospel and give us the truth, not, not encourage us in our sin, not pacify it and, and act like it's not a, it's, it's, it doesn't mean anything or it's not a big deal. But we, we don't call into question our personhood, our relationship with Christ, our identity, because that is secure in Christ. We don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We couldn't if we tried, but it is a, it is a gift from God that he has chosen you, that he has chosen me to be his people. And he did it for his own glory and for the sake and the good of others. So Mago Day, let us be a people who take the truth of the gospel, this reality that we had a debt that we could not pay, owed to God, yet while we were still sinners, this God sent his son to the earth to pay our debt on a bloody cross. And that if we put our faith and trust in him, all of our sins are forgiven. There's not one drop of wrath to drink. All has been accomplished in Christ. And now by the spirit, we are being made more and more into the image of Christ day by day. This is our hope. So all we gotta do is believe. Let's trust, let's believe, let's turn our face toward Jesus.